0: to Lamenting the Leafs. I'm Cam McCaffron, joined by Nick Richard. No Keith today, but you'll hear from him later because this is episode number 50 of Lamenting the Leafs. We recorded a little thing last week with some audio from past episodes so uh, we'll hear that later we had some technical difficulties though so that the content otherwise was kind of out of date so we've also got to talk about uh, number 60 for austin matthews which is something that we talked about on that one but uh, we'll we'll get back to that in a moment but nick this is in essence our playoff preview Uh, leafs lightning game one is finally set in stone Uh, monday night in toronto it begins we are uh, just about 24 hours away as we record so overall how are you feeling
1: well honestly i'm just really excited to get this going you know it's been it's a long time coming really going all the way back to last playoffs and all through the off season, and just talking about getting this chance again for this core to to, to face the test of the postseason and it was a long slog through the regular season and it's all been building towards this and it's going to be a tough opponent and a really tough test for the Leafs, but I'm just really looking forward to, to seeing how they're able to handle it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's finally here, right? Like it's, yeah. I, I assume all the, all the people who, who swore that they would not be following <laughs> the team until playoffs are now, you know, rested and ready to go for, uh, for game one on Monday night. Um, just
1: catching up on the fact that Austin Matthews scored 60 goals this year.
0: <sighs> exactly. Yeah. <Like> Myrner <laughs> almost got a hundred points. Yeah. Just, just, you know, catching up like uh, like you're waking up and scrolling through the news feed and catching <laughs> up on the last eight months um you know something we've talked about is is the importance of showing well down the stretch right and you know last game last 20 games or so trying to trying to be rolling as you head into game one. And it feels like some of those games down the stretch, at least kind of slipped a little bit. But overall, you look at the numbers over the last month or so, Leafs are still top 10 in Corsi percentage. They're top five in expected goals differential. Tampa's numbers lag just a little behind the Leafs. They had kind of a blip in early April, but uh, they've been rolling lately. They've been filling the net, winning lots. Of course, they thumped the Leafs a couple of weeks back. Um, but I, I kind of think that we're looking at a flip here more or less uh, i mean the the big kind of blaring warning sign to me right now is like Vasilevsky. He, he, he's the, the last goaltender that I wanted the Leafs to run into basically in the first round.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a fair fear to have. I mean, everyone knows what Andre Vasilevsky is capable of. He, he's probably, maybe he wasn't the best goaltender in the league this season, but I, I'd still put my money down on him as the best goaltender in the world right now. So going into a playoff series facing that is, you know, it's, it's always going to be, something that's in the back of your mind as you're going into the postseason because we've seen goaltenders steal series plenty of times in the past. Um, I, I just The Leafs are one of the best offensive teams that we've seen in decades. They had no trouble putting up goals this year. And don't forget that they thumped Tampa themselves a few weeks earlier. So, uh, it, it's 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 really it is going to be kind of a coin flip, but if you're looking at advantages for one side or the other, I think that Vasilevsky is the most clear advantage on Tampa's side. Other than other than the goaltending, I, I think that you could make the argument that Toronto kind of grades out higher than Tampa in a lot of areas.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with you there. I think that um, certainly the, you know the forwards Tampa's taken a bit of a hit there, and the Leafs' blue line has been a huge strength the last couple of seasons. Um, and and I, I guess that the one thing that you can kind Kind of lean on a little bit if you're a Leafs fan is that Jack Campbell had a hell of a performance last year. He, he's not the reason that they lost that series, right? Like he went toe to toe with Carey Price, and, and he's um, gone toe
1: to toe with Vasilevsky a few times this season as well, and and come out on the right side of it before too. So I think if you you can get Jack to give you something around nine fifteen or nine, like just in the ballpark of Vasilevsky, will give the Leafs a chance to come away with this
2: series.
0: Yeah, and if you you know, if you really want to put a positive spin on it, goaltending wise, like obviously Campbell hasn't kind of had the extended form that he did going to the playoffs last season, but you know, maybe a a first round matchup with the best of the best kind of really gets the competitive juices firing. And and if the Leafs can get through Tampa, like both goaltending and like overall team wise, there's not a whole hell of a lot of teams that you're going to be too worried about if you can dispatch Tampa in in the first round. Right. So, um, yeah.
1: And that's just the thing too. It, It might seem like a cruel twist of fate. You know, the Leafs are coming off. They're best season in franchise history and this franchise has been around a long time you know 54 wins what was it 115 points and the reward is that they get to face the back-to-back defending stanley cup champions with the best goaltender in the world between the pipes so it's definitely a tough test and it's coming at a, a difficult time um in this cycle or in this cores cycle uh with the lack of success in past years uh, they've just got to find a way to get it done no matter the opponent and uh, why not start out against the best
0: so we've got the the lineup for game one um so Kerfoot's playing alongside Matthews and Marner in that bunting spot, moving up off of the Tavares line. Uh, you've got Mikheyev staying there with Tavares, and, and Andre Kasha is on there right now. He hasn't played since March 19th. Listed as
1: a game-time decision as of now, but it looks like he might be getting in here for game yeah, one. Yeah, so
0: so we'll see what what happens there. Um, and then you've got that third line that's been working pretty well, Nylander, Kampf, Engvall. And as of right now, uh, the fourth line, it looks like for game one, you've got Kyle Clifford, uh, Colin Blackwell and Wayne Simmons so so your thoughts overall kind of on the on the forward unit and I guess if Kasha doesn't go who, who do you think might, might get in there uh, does that just mean Jason Spezza draws in or or do they go off the board?
1: I think that Spezza would be the natural choice to slot into the lineup somewhere maybe you rejig the lines around a little bit because I don't know if you want him playing top six minutes but if Kasha Put Blackwell and, up there. Yeah Blackwell could be bumped up you maybe get give Engvall some more minutes and Nylander's really been kind of used in sort of a, a rover role not so much just being uh, shoehorned onto that third line and I think he's been really effective in that role w- with Keefe kind of just dropping him into different combinations here and there throughout games I think that's really going to be a potential x-factor for the Leafs in this series and we saw Nylander was the the best Leaf for uh, in the postseason against the Habs last year so and he's firing at the right time as well coming off of a a strong game to close the season if he can get back to something close to that level and be sort of a matchup nightmare for the lightning in that sense i think that will that will go a long way to the leafs finding some success here um it, it kind of hurts to not have bunting available right off the go i'll be honest just he's the kind of player i think we all talked about it all season long that just really looking forward to seeing what that player can do in the playoffs he's he's got that knack for getting under the opponent's skin he plays hard he draws penalties he's just that energy type of player that always seems to be so valuable in the playoffs and uh, the kind of player that the Leafs really have been lacking in the the past couple of years so I think it's going to be really important if they're able to get him back hopefully early on in the series it doesn't look like he's going to be able to go for game one Um, but Kerfoot has also sort of been used in that Maybe not to the same extent as Nylander, but he's been juggled around the lineup and and found success in different roles. So I think he's kind of the natural choice to put up onto that line with Matthews and Mariner and it, it allows you to kind of keep everything else somewhat intact without shuffling everything around too much. Uh, I'm really interested in the fourth line. I kind of made note uh, on Twitter a a couple weeks back that it seemed like that combination of Clifford and Simmons were kind of finding something on the fourth line and there was something to the fact or or something to having both of them in the lineup rather than just one of them that it just sort of seemed to amplify that physical energy element on that unit. And I think if those guys can give you decent minutes without getting caved in and they're able to bring that physicality and energy... Uh, that that could be a, a real important factor for the Leafs in this series uh, but you know it's this is only the look for game one it if it doesn't go well for the Leafs, then you're going to see changes. And the great thing is that they have a lot more options as far as putting together their lineup than they did last year.
0: Yeah. I I haven't had as many complaints as I thought I would having both Clifford and Simmons on the same line and both in the lineup, uh, you know, throughout kind of the the home stretch there. So uh, I don't, I don't mind it too much. I don't have too many quibbles overall with, with the lineup. Um, I I think that the the defensive pairings are are pretty much, you know, uh, ideal almost. You've got uh, Riley Labushkin Muzzin, Brody, Jordano, Lilligren, and Sandine Hall, which will presumably be the the two to sit um, at least for not game a one. bad fourth pair, but yeah, pretty good. So you've definitely <laughs> got some options to shuffle things around if if things don't go well, or you know, um, fingers crossed that this isn't the case. But an injury uh, should crop up. Um, you know, I've kind of expressed a little bit of uh, uh, of hesitancy to have you know Lubushkin kind of stapled to to Riley there because of you know how much ice you want to get Riley, but it's going to be kind. Of a situational thing, and I, you know, I think that overall he's he's acquitted himself pretty decently on that line. So, so yeah, I don't have um, a, a lot to complain about. If Lilligren gets scratched at any point, I might have a little b- bit more to complain about, but we'll see.
1: Well, it, just on the Labushkin thing, and kind of getting back to that fourth line a bit, it really seems like the Leafs are going to be leaning into this heavy physicality sort of uh, identity just to start off at least and, and you know for the, uh, I don't know if anyone saw the quote from Sheldon Keefe earlier on Sunday you know he, it's, I think it was something to the effect of uh, he's expecting a physical borderline violent series so I, I think that was reflected in uh, the lineup that we saw in practice on Sunday before things get going on Monday night and yeah, Labushkin might be a little bit over his head if you're asking him to play all those even strength minutes alongside Riley. But I think you nailed it. It's going to be more of a situational thing, and having that heavy presence back there on the blue line it is going to go a long way. And the other thing is, you know, in terms of injuries, I think they're a lot more insulated against that sort of thing than they were in past years. We've saw what happened to the Leafs uh, blue line in the last couple of postseasons when Jake Muzzin went down. And I think they're a lot more protected against that now.
0: Yeah. You know, Muzzin um, kind of on that note that we made earlier on Kasha, who, you know, maybe gets in for game one, hasn't played since March 19th. What's he going to look like? Is he going to be up to speed? You know, Muzzin's played a half a dozen games since late February. Um, So like, that's going to be another question is, is what does he look like? Because Muzzin's like the kind of guy who he, his game doesn't change. Right. And that's a good thing in a lot of ways, but it's also like when he's not quite up to speed, he's still making those same decisions. He's still pinching in situations that he normally would, even if he can't quite get back in time. Um, you know, he, he, he's going to play his game, right? So what's he going to look like? And, and, you know, if he can kind of find another level, that's, that's going to be huge for the Leafs.
1: Yeah. And I think it's very limited sample, but that pairing of Muzzin and Brody has been really solid in limited action. And I think that even before Muzzin came back initially from the the concussion, I think we were kind of in the, in the boat of vouching for that to be the pairing. like, that was the best way to bring Muzzin back in was to give him that kind of that safety net in, in Brody. And I think that if you can get Muzzin just sort of back to normal or even close to him being his, his usual self paired alongside Brody, I think that that's going
0: to be a really useful pair for the Leafs. Um, just to kind of loop back to the forwards a little bit and kind of close the book on, on some of the lineup talk, um, really excited to see David Kampf in the playoffs. Like, he, you know, we talked yeah. about bunting a little bit and, you know, wanting to see the element that he brings. You know, Kampf is not like the, the pest, but he is so good and so consistent at what he does, which is be boring as shit and give up nothing on the defensive side, right? Take every single thing that the opposition gives him on the offensive side, though. Like, he's not a bad offensive player. He's got some hands. But right up until the point where there might be a battle created or, you know, a a puck poked off his stick or a chance for the other team to take the puck away at all, that's the point where he immediately relieves himself of that puck and and just goes to work on the forecheck, right? And that's such a playoff style. He has just been so good and given such an identity to whatever line it is that he's centering like how many times do you think this season Sheldon Keefe has had to pull David Camp aside or single him out in the film room and talk to him about his decision making right I,
1: I think if anything it was probably using camp as a, a teaching tool for everyone else because he, you hit it on the head this guy just doesn't make bad decisions he, he doesn't put himself in risky spots and he he stays above the puck all the time like you said he's just there's hardly anything ever going on in the Leafs end when he's out there and he's quick to turn things around and start driving play the other way. I, and that, that's a, another kind of player that the Leafs have sort of been missing. And it's something that Sheldon Keefe has been pining for, for a couple of years now. And we, we've really seen him put it to use this season uh, with that defensive third line. And we gave care Engvall some cookies on that last episode that didn't, uh, see the light of day, but I think he deserves some credit because he's been a huge part of that unit as well. And where it may have started off with the vision of it being kind of camp Kasha Mikheyev or something, I think Engval really established himself there. And and he was a, a big piece for the Leafs this season. And he's the kind of player that can really sort of be an X factor in a playoff series too. just that kind of depth piece lower in the lineup with the speed and the energy, who's able to maybe chip in a big goal here and there. I think the the Leafs are really set up well going into the series. They match up well against the lightning. They've played them well uh, over the course of the season. And I, I think it's going to be a great matchup.
0: Yeah. I think if, you know, you're going to have a deep run, you need to, some contributions on the scoring side from some of those depth guys you're gonna to have to get some big goals and i think that uh Engvall and camp are both both guys who could uh, could step up to the plate and kind of be that unsung hero perhaps at some point um in, in well both
1: guys set career highs and goals this year along with Mikhaev. mikhayev scored 21 goals and he missed some time this year Engval potted 15 i think camp had 11 and i made a joke earlier in the season that you know it, i think he scored in the opening game or the second game or something i said that might be the only time we see this guy score all year so he, he really you know he, he carved out a role and it wasn't just uh, being a pure defensive presence he was able to chip in with a bit of offense and that's the kind of thing that you need in the post yeah so
0: so hopefully uh, michael bunting comes back like you said at some point early in the the series especially if you know the the lightning are able to to win one of those games in toronto or you know god forbid both of them um and you need a spark i think that bunting is is exactly that kind of spark that uh, you can get back in the lineup and and we'll just provide a jolt but uh we'll, we'll have to see when that's going to happen so game one uh monday night uh do we give a series prediction is is that a good idea
1: <laughs> leafs and six baby I, i've you know I think we've both kind of subscribed to this doom and gloom thing as, as most Leafs fans probably have over the last 10-15 years and it, just being superstitious and paranoid and fearful of disappointment all the time hasn't really gotten us anywhere so I, I'm choosing optimism this year and uh, I think it started back on our season preview pod we kind of hinted at having some uh, high hopes and belief in this team this year and I'm sticking with it Leafs in 6th.
0: Yeah I, I, was, I was highly optimistic last season two though so <laughs> uh, but I, I you know I like I said I think it's kind of a coin flip um I I, I don't know if we're gonna escape the seven game series it, it just seems like the Leafs are, are drawn to that every time um so I think we're going seven again and I'm gonna say Leafs and seven I yeah I think that they got to get the monkey off the back and uh, uh you know like I said now's the time to do it it's a, it's a tough tough opponent but they're all going to be tough at this time of year so um Least in seven. Let's do it. The Eastern conference
1: this year in particular is just kind of bonkers. Every playoff team cleared a hundred points. It's there's a really clear divide between the haves and the have nots in the Eastern conference and, and there's no easy matchup and there isn't going to be an easy matchup all the way to the cup final. So uh, yeah, you might as well dance with the best right off the hop.
0: Yeah. Um, so just to kind of close the book on the regular season, um, Austin Matthews scored his 60th goal of the season at there were points where it looked like it was basically uh, done deal, you know, with a month or two to go in the season. And then towards the end, it kind of looked like maybe maybe he wouldn't get there, um, but but he got there and, um, you know, he, he reaches a benchmark that hasn't been seen in a decade you know, a couple against the Detroit Red Wings to to get there. And and I'm just thrilled. You know, you you look at the way it's worked out from the last few seasons and it it looked like it was almost going to happen again this season. Um, Just, he's, he's, you know, remarkable numbers, incredible goal scoring ability, doing historic stuff every night for the last few seasons, but the milestones just haven't been there, right? Like 47 and 70, then 41 and 52. And then finally he gets his 60 and, and 73. So, um he he goes right past the fifty goal scorer American and to sixty, and the next year we're on to seventy.
1: Yeah, all I'm hearing there when you're rhyming off those numbers is, God, I'd love to get a full season, eighty two games of Matthews and Mariner together. With what we saw out of those guys this year, and I think just to kind of tie it back into the playoffs, it just and I know we said it through the course of last season as well, but. Like I think Matthews really embodies the attitude of the team, and as he goes the the team kind of goes I think you know as one of the best players in the world that's that's sort of natural, but I just I can't shake this feeling this year whenever i I see him play and the way he carries himself off the ice and in the media. He just strikes me as a guy who is not going to be denied this year. And I think that if you get Matthews playing anywhere close to the way that he was this season and with Mitch the way that he was down the stretch, th- there's a reason that the Leafs are the favorite in this series. If you if you remove everything that you know about the past and the demons and the disappointment in years past and you just look at these two teams on paper, the Leafs are the favorite. And really, they, they should come out on top. So it's just going to be all the more heartbreaking if if they don't again.
0: (laughs) I mean, they, they, they undoubtedly have the best player in the series, maybe the best two uh, going into this thing. And it's just a matter of, you know, is the performance going to be there? And I feel good about it this year. Um, As crazy as that might make me, uh, you know, Austin Matthews obviously came into last year's, postseason kind of nursing an injury and and you know he's he's sat out a little bit um at times towards the end of this season but like last year you know it was very obvious that he was dealing with a wrist issue i i don't even do we do we really know what what's going on with him we don't do we
1: no i don't think that it's really been kind of set out in public, exactly what the injury is that he's dealing with uh, over the last couple of weeks that forced him to miss some games, but I, I think that the Leafs did the right thing. You know, I know we all kind of wanted to see those milestones and see him clip by sixty goals and see Mitch get to a hundred points and stuff, but. It, it, this season has always been about the playoffs and what they're able to accomplish when those games start. So I, I think that the Leafs did the right thing by getting those guys as much rest as they could down the stretch and doing everything they could to make sure they're at a hundred percent when the games really start to matter. Yeah.
0: I, I think that that's hopefully what we can expect. You know, it, it didn't, even though he was sitting out with, with some kind of, uh, uh, ailment, it didn't really seem like there was anything impeding his game at all. Right. Like he, he was yeah. still clipping every time he was out there. So, um, just hope that that's that's what we see you know right out of the gates in game one and just keep it rolling
1: I I like the Leafs in this series I think they match up really well against them and yeah if the if the Leafs best players can be their best players I think they're going to come out on top
0: yep that's that's what we'll continue to cross our fingers for at least. Uh, Nick, uh, we are recording this. You're, you're, you're reaching the end of your rope, I would say, right? You, <laughs> it, it was your first hauling day. The uh, uh, fishing season just started. How, how did things go out on the water and how are you feeling?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm definitely getting a little bit tired. It's been a long, chaotic uh, few days. A little more hectic to start off our fishing season than it normally would be. Had some uh, shorthanded crew moments here with various members in lockdown and stuff like that. But uh, I think we're going to start getting in our groove here. And today went fairly well, all things considered. And we're just going to get rolling and... uh, Hope that I have a lot of late nights watching Leafs hockey over the next couple of months. And uh, yeah, that'll make it a little easier to... To deal with the, the tired days
0: following <laughs> and you, you've got one of our pals out on the boat with you who yeah, maybe producer li- the, T. The, the, the listeners might be familiar with producer T is is yes uh, my
1: rookie deckhand we uh, uh, call him a green horn but uh it, it, you know he, he killed it today I, I couldn't be more impressed and and thrilled to have him on board and yeah I think it's gonna be great is He good at lifting things is yeah that, he's quite good important at lifting part of the job things? that that's an important part of the job especially since you know i'm at the point where i don't really want to fucking lift anything anymore and uh yeah he he's been really great to have around in that regard and he's been a quick study i think he's going to pick it up and be like an old sea dog in no
0: time all right well you fellas be safe um we'll we'll pump out as much leafs content as we can here during the playoffs uh but need you get settled in on the water first so hopefully it's a longer run than last year and we can uh, <laughs> yeah. Get some get some uh, reaction pods out here as the Leafs hopefully go deep. Um, as I mentioned off the top, it's our 50th episode of lamenting the Leafs, and, and we you know recorded a little something last week. Um, played some some of our previous audio, uh, some old takes exposed on uh, on that episode. So uh, we, we managed to salvage that. Uh, Going to get to that now. Uh, game one, Monday night. Go Leafs. Go. Go Leafs. Let's let's just start off with uh, let's start off with with this. And of all the
1: guys on this team, when you picture a Stanley Cup celebration, I can't wait to see Zach Hyman carrying around a Stanley Cup in a Leafs jersey, just because of what you see this guy do on the ice every night. That hurts. Yeah, it hurts a bit. Yeah, yeah. but that's it, a tough one. It makes yeah. me miss him a little bit. Hearing that, I, I think you know over the course of the season. Um, the, the play of Michael Bunting and just, you know, all the various narratives that have followed the team of which there has been no shortage. Uh, I, I think it's kind of just sort of buried that Zach Hyman. Zach who? Memory a, a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, you know i I think that is a a nice clip to go back and hear again actually just because it it does bring back the memory of just how beloved he was here as a leaf and just you know the kind of player he was and how easy he was to cheer for and and how much it did suck at the time to know that he was moving on yeah that's
2: a good point like i think we've we've kind of made such a point to be like you know i'm over it michael bunting's here he's Arguably, does the role that, or maybe I, I like, he's not. You know, we we talked about this at length, but he he's not a Zach Hyman clone. But I think that the kind of net value of having him on that line is arguably higher. And, but I, I do think that we've talked about that so much that we kind of forget about just how beloved he was. Like, you know, just the, the way that he kind of uh, worked his ass off every shift and kind of won over everybody in the fan base after, you know a bit of a rocky start with the fan base too. Like we kind of forget how much we hated him on that top line when it started as a collective, Um, you know, and then for him to kind of solidify himself and become a fan favorite. I think I at least kind of put that out of of my head so far just because of all the Michael Bunting stuff. So
0: yeah, a little bittersweet hearing that. So I I didn't want to throw any of our guests under the bus really, but you know, there there was one particular thing that I I kind of felt like, I just I had to throw it in there just because of how on the nose it was. Um, Just before the playoffs, we had our pal Jake Beliefs on. back keith you missed you weren't you weren't here for this episode but i this was, was not a-
2: there that was the the first time that we found out my daughter had asthma so i was in, <laughs> back in a panic in the emergency room so right. i listened to it though i'm excited to hear what part this uh, is
0: so this was just uh before i think the trade deadline 2021 and um this you know the the rest of this is all us but uh, we wanted to give our our boy jake a shout out here like these guys are gonna go
2: deep And I think they know, I think they know that
0: they would be borderline unstoppable with Taylor Hall in the top six against the Canadian opponents. So long as Campbell or Fred or whoever it is, is able to put up a 920. Like they're, they're going to win two rounds so long as they don't have a, you know, like some gigantic unforeseen fuck up that we can't possibly imagine. <laughs>
1: well <he> nailed that.
0: Like six or something going out to Montreal
2: Yeah. I mean there's a, so many there's there's layers to that. Like first my first reaction yeah. in hearing that is how far our expectations and hopes for goaltending have come. Like downward. Like him being like, as long as they get a nine twenty, they're fine. Now we're like, man, nine oh five, sign me up. Like, as long as they get like- <laughs> a nine twenty, they're fine.
0: They got a nine thirty four
2: and <laughs> weren't fine. Uh, yeah, that's um, tough, that's tough to hear.
0: Yeah,
1: but the other part of that is the major fuck up or disaster that no one would have seen coming. You know, it happened fucking ten minutes into the whole thing. Yeah. I, 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 we don't really got to revisit that. It was, it was a, a, a tough scene. But I, I don't think you can discount the effect that that had on the the Leafs' chances uh, last postseason. Uh, not to make any excuses, yeah. but yeah, uh, yeah, Jake was pretty spot on there with a couple of things. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, so the, that meltdown obviously the, our our post. Uh, postseason <laughs> episode dark. was a doozy. Um, I, it was dark. I, I recommend if you're a new listener, it might be might be a good um, source material. You might want to just go back and listen to it and consider whether you you want to invest any of your time in us. Um, <laughs> but I, I I I didn't see fit to to pull anything from that episode. I, I feel like it's just it's all such a doozy. So I, I thought that we would skip over that. Uh, you know arguably that's that's one of our most um probably uh, passionate I think it was
1: one of our most popular yeah, episodes our most <laughs>
0: unhinged um our most a lot of things but it wasn't our best i uh, got a, a few clips here from our best episode which was from last offseason i i don't know if you guys know what what i'm talking about here but let's let's just hear i have no clue but i'm terrified let's let's hear the first clip let's just hear the first clip from our best episode ever of lamenting the leafs it's a saturday evening emergency podcast because the Maple Leafs oh. <laughs> for the roster freeze the of the Seattle expansion draft Kyle Dubas capitalizes on a team trying to make their protected list work as the Maple Leafs acquire forward Jared McCann from the Penguins
2: <laughs> Yeah that was relevant for relevant for like I don't know, how long? Like forty-eight hours. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, if that if that. And a lot of things happened in those forty-eight hours. Yeah. It was uh, yeah, um, know it, it was, it was 48 like 48 hours. we had fish <laughs> There were levels to the ways that that became outdated um over the course of those forty-eight <laughs> hours, you know? Um so we we've got a few doozies here. McCann
1: adds significant forward depth up front for the Leafs and I think it was pretty clear coming into this off season that the Leafs definitely were gonna have to Bolster their group up front. They just didn't get enough lower in the lineup when when the big guys ran into a bit of a cold streak. And
0: uh, yeah, McCann's definitely going to help in that regard. Has some versatility. He's going to be eating up some of those minutes that Zach Hyman got, cleaning up some of you know some of that garbage <laughs> and getting some of those open looks that uh, you know come free when you play with two guys who, who draw as much attention as Matthews and Marner. So. <laughs> yeah that went out the window incredible analysis you get
2: from i mean uh, (laughs) what you guys were saying what now what you were saying was not like outlandish or anything like i'll I'll say that it's not like he came on the team and was absolute dog shit and which would make those takes even worse that was just uh (laughs) yeah that was a weird time
0: i do wonder how much of it it was driven by a desire to protect kerfoot and give that like push over the line to go seven f3d instead of eight skaters. Yeah, they didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't do that. Yeah,
1: no. No, no they, they didn't do that. They and, protected you know, Justin well, Hall. But it, I, I think we reconciled that at the time too. You know, I, after those forty eight hours were passed and it became clear what was going to happen. And you know, even in the days following when we started seeing some of the numbers getting thrown around on on free agent defensemen, it, we we talked ourselves into that being the the right decision uh back then, but uh as the season wore on, and McCann continued to find success with Seattle, and we watched Justin Hall turn into a
2: pumpkin <laughs> uh that 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 turned into a tough one <laughs> what well, yeah it is because again looking i feel like a lot i don't know if it's become just like a built in excuse but like looking back on like you know evaluating processes and stuff like that, like I still have a hard time like there's exceptions to this, but I still have a hard time like really condemning something that Dubas did because I can always kind of understand the thought process behind it. And yeah, like we're coming off a year that Justin Hall played pretty damn well all year. And the free agent market was overpaid and bad for defense, especially for right-handed. So it made sense that, you know, that was a harder hole to plug than what jared mccann you know was able to to do up front or you know and even looking at it now like i would like mikhayev's maybe maybe that was a lot of it was embedding on the fact that mikhayev wasn't going to shoot negative shooting percentage <laughs> like he did last year and and actually bounce back with with goals which which has looked like the right move i mean again in a vacuum if you just look at it as justin hall for alex kerfoot or for sorry justin hall for for uh, jared mccann that's Clearly a lopsided deal, but I still think you have to con- – even now – Today, I still think you have to consider everything else that was moving around that.
1: Yeah, and we got a lot of career years out of forwards up front for Toronto. So it kind of, you know, softens the blow there a little bit. You you mentioned Mikhaev and you've got Angval, and even Kerfoot himself had a pretty big year offensively. Uh, So it it maybe doesn't sting quite as much as it it felt like it was going to in the early parts of the season.
0: I I think that um, this is probably a guy that, you know, the Leafs are are looking at as as someone who. they definitely have plans for moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best. Yeah, that's,
1: yeah. that's great. That's great. Well, they did have plans for them, just not the ones that we thought. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, did, they did have plans for them. Yeah, yeah, there they were did. plans. Yeah. <laughs> but, We've obviously, we've had, you know, opinions, strong opinions at times on on plenty of players over the course of 50 (laughs) episodes. Um, You know, Justin Hall, of course, is one of them. Alex Kerfoot is one of them, but... Um, there's, there's one, one guy who, who in particular, we, <laughs> we, we're hard on, um, you know, we're, we're tough on and mm-hmm. it was a theme. And I just, I, I thought that we would spend I a little bit of time out for him early in this episode. I know though. you did. I know you did. <laughs> and it was, it was very good saving face, but, uh, be totally
2: cool with, with some, some more depth that can bring a bit more responsibility, a bit more playing with the lead that isn't like Pierre Engvall.
0: If you hear from, uh from John Saitzer, what type of animal would make the best hockey player? Oh
1: God, John. Um,
0: um, I'm like Goog- I'm like Googling stuff here. Hang on. I'm inclined to say giraffe, but we've seen Pierre Engval's performances.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we just said like a third line of Conf, Kasha and Richie. Where the hell are Engval and McKay? Where are they gonna play? like if, if well, Curf- I, I hope Ben's playing in Sweden or something but... <laughs> oh man that's before I realized how to pronounce camp uh, catches that's a lot right? of strays our guy Pierre
1: but you know what good autumn because it, it, it deservedly about a so that he
2: did suck like it's yeah, not like he, we he, were <laughs> misevaluating him yeah <laughs> this
1: speaks to the the way that he has improved and I think it also, speaks to our humility that we've been willing to you know admit that he has been much better than than we were giving him credit for in the past so yeah he he's had a massive year like I, I said it earlier on in the episode when we were kind of talking about the the absence of bunting but you really couldn't have asked for much more out of Pierre Engvall this year I, I think he's taken his game to another level in so many different facets you know he, he's become more assertive offensively um, trusting his own skill and just getting the puck to the net and I think we've seen that uh, you know shout out to to my buddy Ian Tullock here (laughs) he he was always in the DMs uh, trying to convince me that Pierre Engvall was a good shooter and you know uh, up until a few months back it's not something that we had really seen but but Tullock seen it coming and uh Yeah, he was right because Engvall scored some big goals for the Leafs this year and has just been a big part of that lower-in-the-lineup being able to drive play and just kind of tilt the ice in the Leafs favor he's been a huge part of that yeah,
0: yeah. Well, we're we're a week uh about a week away from playoffs here and uh as you said just earlier you kind of mentioned maybe he's an option to to play alongside Matthews and Marner in game one of the playoffs which is you know a long way that we've come from you know what we we're saying uh this time last year yeah well I, I feel like if is your fourth center for game one Nash is your fourth center for game two <laughs> like i that guy just, get it out of the <laughs> just concerns me like I, I i get that like he's you know uh, he's kind of found gold and like he's he's you know been solid but i i just when the game tightens up Engval, it's like he just his handle is not tight at all and like even in that game against no. the habs it's like he gets into a kind of a small space where people start to kind of close on him and take away like he just can't handle it he can't can't beat a guy one-on-one like he just he can't even retain the puck
2: can't play through traffic whatsoever yeah and i know this is stupid and not necessarily (laughs) meaningful at all but he just doesn't look like he knows what the hell he's doing. He just like there's, there's just a thousand yard stare and just kind of nothing going on between the you know between the ears, which is completely unfair to him. He's a fucking professional athlete, but you know I, I would just much rather somebody who actually looks like they're fucking hustling out there. I don't know. It's just something about it? again, not 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 completely wrong. Like lat- no, no. You, this, it, I mean, this sounds- is all
0: good analysis, frankly.
2: In the, in the moment, yes.
1: Well, like I was going to say a minute ago, it wasn't just us either. Like think back to the beginning of last season, you know, the shortened 56 game season. Did Pierre Engvall make the Leafs roster? No. Did Pierre Engvall even make the taxi squad to open the season? I don't believe so. So it's not like it was just something that, you know, we were frustrated with his play or we weren't seeing, you know, the, the upside or, or what he'd be able to contribute to the lineup. But again, I think it just speaks to his perseverance and, and the way that he's developed his game and, and stuck with it. He's He's been great.
0: Um yeah. I mean, frankly, he 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 still can't play up the middle. He he, he got no, swiped pretty not. hard there <laughs> against the caps the other night at one point. It still applies. He's just figured out how to work around it and yeah, the aggression. That's that's the big thing. That's yeah, kind of the thing. Yeah, that's the, that's the other things, thing so. like
2: he, he actually looks like he's like six four, two hundred and whatever pounds, like that now when he plays. Like he he has or six five. Like he has a bit of an edge to him now. He's staring guys down after the whistle. Like there's a there's a shitheel element to his game that had never been there before, which I'm sure just came with confidence. Like he knows he's playing well. He knows he's big, and he's just able to assert himself a little bit more now. But yeah, like he he's he he, he looks like a completely different hockey player this year, which is awesome. And, and you know, for a seventh round draft pick for him, to, you know, if you were to tell us at the beginning of the year that he was going to have like a close to 40-point pace over an 82-game season. I think we would have all thought you were insane. Um, all right,
0: here's another. Now we get to the point where we have our final forward spot, and you know we've got our choice of, of players to protect. Pierre Engvall, thoughts? <laughs> I know you're a big Engvall guy. <laughs> Engvall the is the guy that
1: the Leafs should be trying to convince the Kraken to take, if I'm being honest.
0: Yeah, if he ends up being the guy going to Seattle, I think that would certainly be the best-case scenario. I I think that's best-case scenario. Um, Adam Brooks and Joey Anderson uh, are both guys that would need to be protected, I believe. They're both players um, that I would protect (laughs) at this point. Just because of value for salary,
1: Engvall's cap hit isn't restrictive or anything like that, but I don't think he provides that much excess value as compared to uh, Joey Anderson or Adam Brooks uh, on what they're (laughs) making. (laughs) Uh, that's,
0: That's great. A tough one it's great it, it's it's just so perfect for the audio that you came back and made sure you said their names again, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really glad I did that <laughs> uh and and the Yangval love even carried into the early parts of this season. Someone follow us on Twitter whose screen name was. Pierre Engval appreciator, and I was like, I don't know how <laughs> long this person's going to be able to stick with, with our
1: podcast. And with well, maybe they, they saw my tweets from Game One of the season, where you know Pierre Engval was fantastic. I, I gave him my third star, I think it was in the in the first game. You know, he was he was really good, and then he went back to being Pierre Engval ever since, <laughs> and just doing a lot of really questionable things, not really making anything positive happen, just. Basically wandering around aimlessly out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've got nothing left. Here. Can we? Can we?
0: Can we just wrap this up with a, a sorry, Pierre? On three, one, two, three. Sor- sorry, sorry, Pierre. Pierre. That, that seems like <laughs> the
1: least we could do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And and we'll put him on our lineups as the first line left wing for game one of the playoffs. That's that's our other,
1: that's our, the olive branch we're extending.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that's that's all the audio we saw fit <laughs> to share from the the first fifty episodes. Really, it was the first like I don't know thirty five. We'll we'll do a little more season review <laughs> stuff as we as we get on with it here, but. Um, Thank you to everyone who uh, who joined us for the first fifty episodes, and um, here's to here's to fifty more. Hope you've kind of enjoyed the ride as much as we have. It's been great to you know have a place to kind of chat about the Leafs and and you know have a kind of a little little community of people who, who tune in, and uh, you know it's not even all Leafs fans, which which we love, and and um, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, the, it's exactly what Cam said. Just can't thank you all enough, everyone who's supported the show in any way since we've got going. Uh, it, it's been a ton of fun. Something we talked about doing for a long time. It, it's kind of hard to believe that we're at this point where we've got 50 episodes out there. But yeah, it's been a ton of fun. Yeah,
2: yeah. I don't really have a whole lot to add. It's cool when you when you hear of uh, or we get messages or or tweets and people telling us like that their friend
0: told them to check it out. Um, stuff like that. So that's cool. So keep, keep spreading the word. We appreciate it. Or when people like just, uh, you know, organically engage, like they will respond to something that we said by just like firing off a tweet. We love that. Um, yeah, Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's great. And, um, I mean, like you said, 50 episodes, it's, it's crazy to think we, uh, you know, my, my last podcast that I tried to do, um, like, Four years ago was lasted two episodes. I like. I came out throwing heat. I had Kate Burness on for my first episode. I had uh, Jerome Berube, a scout, on as well for my first episode. It was just throwing, you know, hundred five miles an hour at the gate. <laughs> I got episode two out. I think I like read off some draft notes I had because I did a lot of like scouting that season. And that then you it. went
1: down for Tommy John surgery. <laughs> that, that,
0: that's exactly it. Yeah. Then I got a. Then I got a real job. I wasn't unemployed anymore, and I just scrap the whole works so uh the, the fact that we've gotten to, to 50 with uh with me at the helm i think is uh something to be celebrated so cheers fellas
1: well without you at the helm cam uh, this thing wouldn't go at all it wouldn't <sighs> no, happen not so, a chance <laughs> you're really the the engine that drives this thing and uh yeah I, I think you know anyone who's been listening to the show for any length of time knows that but yeah, yeah.
0: that's that's really nice of you i'm I'm gonna delete all of the sounds that i have of you coming into a break where you clearly just took a suck off of your vape and i'm not gonna play them again
1: (laughs) yeah not like i'm ever smoking anything else while i'm
0: recording in here nick vape mouth folder delete it (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, I should have started being complimentary to the host a lot longer ago
0: <laughs> all right we'll uh, we'll do it again soon we got some playoffs to uh to prepare for so um stick around and, and follow us on twitter if you haven't already at lamenting leafs and uh hey give us a give us a review if, if you so care to uh had actually a really nice one um that i just saw on our apple page from your cousin nick i mentioned you know we we've got uh, some some folks who are not leafs fans who subject themselves to this for some reason uh, i forgot and, i gotta write uh, that guy a
1: check <laughs> <laughs> so it was
0: uh, it was it was a nice one nice one there from joe so
1: yeah shout out to joe he, 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 joe deserves a, a shout out on the podcast at long last you know, he, he's been blowing us up up for a bit here and yeah he's become one of our most faithful listeners so really appreciate that did you say that he just ordered a matthews jersey yes that, that did happen and uh, you know, i'm glad that you remembered that and brought that up because the, it, i can't tell you how much joy it brings to my heart to have you know a, a family member who i've you know, spoke about hockey with for as long as I can remember and chirped back and forth and debated this and that. And, you know, all the Leafs chirps over the years. And now to to just picture him wearing a blue and white Maple Leaf jersey with Austin Matthews name and number on it, just, I, I can't tell you how much it warms my
0: heart. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. We are we are real life influencers. We are making it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Um all right well we'll uh, we'll do it again soon and and uh, get some some playoff chatter going uh fellas thanks for 50 cheers thanks